attitudes are beginning to change. A stigma surrounding dyslexia. Muddled messages were received the by the brain. Dyslexia. It will not hold you for dyslexic. It's kind of useful. Anything is dyslexic. Dyslexia. Hi everyone, I'm Elizabeth. And I'm Charlotte. And this is our Move Beyond Words podcast. In this series, we are exploring dyslexia in all its surprising, creative and often misunderstood forms. Each week, we invite different guests to talk, listen and share. Expect authentic, off-the-cuff stories to connect with and learn from. On our final episode of the series, we're joined by one of Great Britain's leading athletes, Adele Tracy. Adele was born in the USA and spent her early years in Jamaica before coming to the UK at the age of seven. Adele has represented Great Britain at different age levels for more than a decade and finished fourth in the 800 meter final at the 2018 European Championships and is a past British 800 meter indoor champion. It was this year that Adele was made an ambassador for the British Dyslexia Association and what an ambassador she has been. Adele is a role model and inspiration for us all and we couldn't be more proud to have her joining the Move Beyond Words family for our final episode. Welcome to the show, Adele Tracy. Hi Adele. Hello. (laughs) How are you? I'm good, yeah. How are you doing? Yeah, Yeah, really well, thank you. How has your morning been? Um, yeah, really good actually. Um, I had a rest day today, so it's been quite chill. Oh yeah. <laughs> what do you do on your rest days? Are you? Um, so I normally do like I'll, I'll tend to work. So like I work as makeup artist as well. So I tend to get a job. Um, but because I was away earlier this week, I've just not I've got nothing planned today, which is quite nice. Um, oh, that's nice. lovely. Well, thanks for getting up somewhat early on your rest day and joining us on our final episode it's crazy um not final episode completely just final episode of this series um so yeah it's really exciting to to be closing episode one with you and um I'd love to talk about what this year has kind of been like for you because with the Tokyo Olympics being postponed you know how has that kind of impacted on you um it's kind of been I think Strangely, it's been a bit of a relief, I think, for a lot of athletes, um, just because you train so hard um, and you kind of get through that last year of the Olympic cycle and you're like ready to like give it your best and you want to prepare in the best way possible. So um, not being able to prepare in the same way, um, you know, you kind of feel like as an athlete, you can't do everything you can to be at your best. So if it had gone ahead, mm. I think that would have been really problematic for a lot of athletes, particularly because a lot of other sports rely on facilities that weren't open and um, meeting as a group if you're a team sport. So for me, I felt really fortunate that I could go and run once a day still. Um, so yeah. That was really great. But yeah, I think it's been kind of a relief that it's been postponed and not cancelled. Was it always your dream to be an Olympic athlete? So, yeah. So for me, I literally remember watching the 2000 Sydney Olympics. So I probably would have been about seven years old. And I just remember thinking, I would love to be an athlete. I just think that's like the dream job. Um, I didn't think that was 
actually happen. Um, and obviously I'm still yet to kind of um, tick that box of hopefully becoming an Olympian next year. So um, I just, yeah, I, I feel so, um, so lucky to be able to do something that I'm really passionate about as a job. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, I was going to say like it's um, it's amazing what you do, and I was watching quite a few videos and just like the sheer physicality is in, is amazing. Like, how mm. did you how did you get to there? Like, how did you get into athletics and and running? So um, I guess I started running at school, and um, I think because I already had this idea in my head that it was like looked so much fun and it was like yeah just a total dream um and then at school like I really really struggled academically and um I remember my head teacher at the time Mr Potter um and the reason why I say that is because that's just really funny I actually <laughs> raced his son um last year oh wow yeah. um which was just so yeah so amazing yeah really surreal. surreal um but he used to run a running club at lunchtime and I think he saw that um, I really enjoyed running. I think sports day was kind of like the best day ever. Um, so invited me along and it kind of felt like it was just an exclusive club. Like I felt like a bit special that I was actually good at something. Um, went to that kind of every week and absolutely loved it. And yeah, that's really just how it started. I, I started competing. Like we did this road race once a year in Chichester and that was like kind of my goal for the year. And then once I was old enough, I think about 10, 10 years old, I joined my local athletics club and I've been with them ever since. Mr. Potter must have been, you know, incredibly inspired seeing you light the Olympic torch. You know, it must have been a huge, like monumental experience for yourself yeah, I- as well. I honestly, what was that like? even now, like I kind of feel it's one of those experiences. It feels like it didn't happen. It feels like a dream. Um, mm. I just, yeah, I was so, so grateful to have been given that opportunity by Dane Kelly Holmes, who was a massive um, for me. Yeah. It's particularly because I'm an 800 runner. So um, her, she's like an icon for the middle distances and to have her recognize um, me and asked me to to do that amazing thing with those six other athletes um, was just something yeah so special and from doing this series you know we've really discovered that everyone has a very different experience of discovering their dyslexia you know Charlie and myself and Sean Douglas we learned really early on and Stella Tilliard and Steve Chapman were undiagnosed and some embraced their dyslexia in their teens such as Lauren McCrusty so can you share share your story with us yeah so I mean similar to you guys I was really lucky to have had a specialist um assessor at my school um my mum pushed really hard for me to kind of get that support and we actually changed schools twice as well and um, so I think it really helps having a family member who's really supporting mm. you and that kind of understands mm. your needs as well um, and that meant that I was diagnosed with dyslexia when I was about eight or nine years old so quite young and I think that just meant that because I understood what was going on in that I might just think a little bit differently it was actually a massive relief <laughs> um, yeah. and I just kind of leaned into my strengths a lot more Um, and kind of embrace that side of things which I think just really helped me become more confident and then 
kind of bring that to my academics a little bit as well. Um, but actually later on, I found out when I was probably about 14, 15, that I'm also dyscalculic. Um, I think, I don't know if you guys, when you've been talking to other people, you've noticed like obviously dyslexia hand in hand with other kind of neurodiversities but um, um and we've got them all in my family like um my sister's dyspraxic my younger brother's autistic so um my mum really understands how to kind of work with each of us with our specific needs because it just presents completely different in all of us um but yeah I think I've learned to kind of just um work to my strengths a little bit through that whole process of kind of being diagnosed and understanding um yeah my dyslexia that's amazing that you have that amount of support at home as well. It just feels like it alleviates some of the stresses that may go on at school sometimes. You can go home and just say, oh my gosh, this has happened today. You've just got that amazing um, support system around you. A lot of us felt like there were quite a few struggles within school. And although, as you say, I think we try and lean into our strengths and try and find them early. But did you find that there were any hurdles at school that you had to kind of overcome? Oh, massively. Like, I think every single day um, was a challenge, a different thing, because for me, numbers and not knowing why I couldn't grasp anything numerical um that was really overwhelming. I still can't tell the time like I couldn't read a clock um I have such issues trying to work out distances with my training oh, my coach just finds it which is like a daily entertainment but um yeah I think at school I well, one of the biggest things for me was whenever they would um go around the class and they would get everyone to read a passage of a book or a text that literally caused me so much anxiety oh, yeah. And I would have to read ahead as quickly as possible and guess where I might have to start reading. I think where I would try and um, kind of, I guess, get through that was I'd I'd ask my friends around me maybe what that word said. So I wouldn't have to get to that point in the text where I thought I would read Mm -hmm. and I would kind of know how to pronounce that word or what have you. So kind of just drawing on um, other people around me was a useful way of getting by. But even now, I remember doing an interview um, for a job um, at university uh, for a retail company and they got me to do a group interview, which in itself was really overwhelming. Oh um, gosh, yeah. read the story of the founder of the company. So I actually just said, I, I haven't got reading glasses, I can't read. <laughs> so I, I managed to swerve that one. But you do, you just find all these kind of ways of coping under pressure sort of thing. <laughs> wow. Just out of interest, how did they respond to that? Oh, they were like, oh gosh, yeah, if you can't, yeah, you've got glasses, it's absolutely fine. But if I had said, I actually find it really difficult to read in front of people and also just reading in general is really hard for me and I don't know if I'm going to be able to read this to you. Um, mm. I think they probably would have raised an eyebrow, which is kind of a daunting thought it is and it's quite common isn't it you know the statistic of people who are dyslexic um who go to the job center and are out of work is incredibly high and I'm not going to try and quote it because I'll get it wrong but um you know it's it's shocking um how how our system is still set up for people with dyslexia not to get through those those job interviews you know it's really unfriendly but going back to school um I know that you spent a lot of time in different countries growing up and I was really intrigued to hear 
Did you notice any differences between family members and schools with being in Jamaica and the USA? Like how how did they respond to dyslexia? So, um, so I spent like a very brief period of my life in, in the US because I was born there and then we pretty much, when I was like three or four, moved to um, Jamaica. Right. And um, I did go to two or three schools. So bearing in mind, I was only there from like four to seven. And I remember going to a French and Spanish school, which was just, I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> um, and then actually my mum just pulled us out, all three of us out of school, um, all, like me and my sister, because my brother wasn't there yet. Um, and we actually, she just she just set up her own school um, with a couple of the what? yeah parents from the community. Because I think um, a couple of international kind of um, kids were, struggling to kind of fit in with the different school systems as well. So we just set, my mum set up her own school. She's amazing. I remember that was where I kind of felt the most comfortable, even though I was a lot younger and it's, you know, maybe different way of learning, less structured. Um, I remember we would measure sort of sunflowers for maths and we would paint murals and it just felt a lot more um, hands-on and visual and a lot more, you know, you know, a lot more appropriate for me as a dyslexic. Um, and then obviously when I came to the UK, um, everything felt a lot more structured. I kind of felt it was a lot less one-on-one, obviously, because I went to state school. So, mm-hmm. you know, quite lots of kids. And I think that's also where it can be a lot more challenging for somebody who has special educational needs because you're kind of, um, a lot. everything is less one-on-one and it's a lot harder digest mm. all that information and yeah I just remember thinking I'm looking around the room and thinking I feel like everybody else is taking in what they're just saying <laughs> I had no idea what was going on um, and it went on like that for years like maybe three years um, and I think that's where the, you know eventually to get picked up that I was dyslexic very very different ways of learning 100%. Yeah, definitely. And those more nurtured environments, like time on time, you know, we hear people saying how much that makes a difference. Um, And so, you know, having your mum there within the education, within your education, you know, I could imagine that making a huge difference. I imagine she was one of your role models. Um, And and were there other role models around that time other than Mr. Potter (laughs) and your mum? Um. I'm probably not. I mean, I think I was I'm fortunate that pretty much every member of my family, you know, has some diversity. So yeah. I never felt like I was too different. Obviously, I did when I was at school. But um, yeah, I think, yeah, definitely my family were really helpful. I think having that support and them understanding me and, you know, accepting me how, how, it, how I was um, just made me feel a lot more supported and yeah I guess they were my role models so um yeah that just made the whole process a lot easier that's so lovely (laughs) and I suppose like finding your strengths at school and and joining that running club must have been amazing and both Liz and I have found that dance has been a huge part of our lives and influential on on our lives so I wonder was there a connection between your dyslexia and the classroom and the track and the field yeah definitely I think I just 
grew so much more in confidence. I was really, really shy as a kid. And I think that came down to just like being so aware that I was going to do something wrong because I didn't understand. Um, and I think sport just gave me, like I felt like I was in my in my space when I was running and sports day was just the best day ever because I felt like I was really good at something. Um, and I think I've just clung on to that, to be honest. It's like stayed with me through, you know, my teens and, and I feel really lucky that I've been able to kind of make a career out of that. Um, but also just, you know, my mum was so great at getting me involved in so many other things outside of school. So I did drama and dance and music and karate, like literally anything you think of I did because I think she knew from seeing how the running had kind of given me that much confidence. If she just threw me into every kind of other creative thing, I was just going to get oh. so much confidence from that. And it really did work. Yeah, I feel like I wanted to ask you how you found your dance classes. <laughs> I really want to know. <laughs> Do you still dance even today as well? Because I think like generally dancing and anything creative and active is just wonderful. Like you said, it can really encourage you and fill you with loads of confidence. Yeah, I think just movement is just amazing. Like it has so many positive effects. Um, but yeah, like I love dancing now, um, but just like not in a coordinated way. Um, um, my hand my coordination is a bit uh, questionable but um yeah I yeah I absolutely love it I think yeah and even music I think it's just like that creative um kind of side of things is just so useful I think it's for escapism as well I think you know just indulging in that a little bit it can be really helpful mm. yeah Tati, it's like what you said finding your space and that escapism is lovely definitely yeah, running's very meditative, isn't it? Like when you really get in your flow, you know, so many different ideas and so many people say, you know, just how important it is. Yeah, definitely. I would say actually my best ideas come to me when I'm running and I feel so um, annoyed that I don't have a notepad with me when I'm running because a lot of people say when you're sleeping, but no, I'm out cold when I'm sleeping. It's when I'm running, my best ideas come. <laughs> Yeah, Steve Chapman, he was on one of our episodes. I know that, you know, he, he runs every day and he gets so many different ideas, not that he needs any more. Um, he's an idea crazy person, but um, yeah, it is really interesting, the crossovers there. And is it a common thread that, that dyslexia plays out within the sports industry? You know, in dance, we know that there's so many dancers with dyslexia I wonder if it it crosses over there as well yeah definitely I I I wouldn't be surprised if there were a lot of probably undiagnosed dyslexics within sport um you know Lee Bryan who's also another um uh, ambassador for the British Sex Association rugby player kind of said that he was never diagnosed at school but you know found out when he was older you can imagine that you know a lot of people if they are again finding their strengths in, you know, different industries and leaning into that creative kind of side of things, then they probably would end up, you know, in, in a career like sports. Or I think it's just very much yeah. um, being able to be your own boss a little bit and having that flexibility. I know that I um, definitely am a self-employed person because um, I kind of have that control and I can be a lot more organised on my own time. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of other people kind of that were dyslexic were the same. Yeah, I can't agree more with the self-employed controlling your own time and organising things. Yeah. Definitely rings true. And um, what would you like to see differently within your industry when it comes to dyslexia? 
yeah it's really hard to say because um I think particularly from from my I've learned to cope with a lot of things like um for example where on race day you would have call times and um you might not have all the information you need before you go in the call room and that sort of thing and you get used to that um environment um and you make yourself as prepared with everything that you can control but actually there's a lot of things that you can't control within sport as well and maybe I guess having those kind of things in place so that it is more organized and you you have more information ahead of time and even something simple like just having my numbers ready before I get into the call room I find it quite stressful to have to pin up in the call room Um, which maybe is just you know the same for everyone but I think those are little things that could be avoided and um, just I like to be over organized so that I'm prepared Um, and I'm sure (laughs) probably the same as well so there's just some things within sport that could be could be more organized and more planned people that have special Mm. educational needs when when I used to perform I used to have this kind of like process like it had to be really it wouldn't like the performance wouldn't go well unless I did this really weird regimented process like my makeup wasn't like in the right place or you know I hadn't like scratched my back or something really really (laughs) weird do you have any of those sorts of like like you said like you like to prepare is it more kind of I don't know, (laughs) do you have any of those kind of processes to kind of get you in that zone? Um, So I used to be very, yeah, very particular. And now I'm very particular about the timing. So like I would literally write a list from the moment I wake up to the, you know, the minute I'm in that cool room ready to race. Yeah. Um, Just based on like, you know, when I'm going to eat and when I might have a nap and when I'm going to sure. stretch and it would all be laid out from, you know, 9am to 7pm or whatever. Um, and that just helps me know, you know, I won't ever forget everything if it's all written down. So I find that a lot easier to kind of just work out, but I actually find now um, I perform best when I'm just kind of enjoying the moment and, and having fun. So I think that list allows me to enjoy the moment and have fun. <laughs> And like also about being in the moment, I, I often find it really interesting that people interview you directly after the race. Like, how is that? Like, suddenly you have to analyse this incredible like process and <laughs> probably you, you feel so exhilarated. And then suddenly you've got to like, cri- not critique it, but really kind of assess what's just happened imminently. Um, like, how is that? Um, do you ever yeah think yeah no that's so true actually like and there's been a few times where I've been like yeah I'm really filled with lactic and I can't really think right now so <laughs> it is it is slightly problematic but they kind of want your natural reaction so I think that is just kind yeah. of what I lean into is I'm just going to be completely myself in this moment because I can't actually think because my brain is full of lactic and my legs um I think it is just yeah. literally just being yourself um which you know sometimes I've left and I've been like well maybe you shouldn't have said that but um at least you're giving your best version of yourself or your most authentic self. And I guess that's what they really want. This kind of takes us up to our show and tell, uh, which is really uh, exciting. It's kind of like being back at school. And we ask our guests uh, to bring or showcase an item that represents AIDS or embraces dyslexia. Is there an item, Adele, that you believe helps AIDS or represents dyslexia in your life? 
so there's there's two but I I didn't have the other thing with me so I've got my to-do list <laughs> which I know is so basic but I literally use it every single day of my life like if I don't write down what I want to achieve in a day I'll get to the end of the day and I'll be like oh my goodness I should have done that and it, it just relieves a lot of stress for me mm. and um yeah I use it every single day so this is an absolute must-have for me and I do feel like that really helps me be over-organized so that I'm just you know just like it all evens out um but the other thing I kind of thought of which I have found really helpful over the years particularly when I've just been writing or um putting something together for my blog or you know anything like that is the ace spelling dictionary and it's designed specifically for dyslexics and it I just don't know if you guys probably agree if if you've ever tried to look up a word in the dictionary and you don't know how to spell it then you obviously don't know what you're looking for and the reason why I love this is because it works on phonetics. So if I want to say spell uh, dyslexic, obviously you think D-E. So you look that up and there's the word and you can see it there. So that, that's what I love about that dictionary. Um, and I normally wouldn't, you know, Google's amazing for just, you know, popping in. You can't um, spell something at the time. But if I'm, you know, set a project or I'm sitting down and I'm actually writing, that's a really useful tool for me. Oh, I'll have to look that up. I think, you know, part of this podcast for Charlie and I has been to learn more about dyslexia and how it can support us. So that's something I'll definitely look up because um, I don't have any any kind of tools that I'm aware of that are, are kind of focused, um, you know, connected to support my dyslexia, such as the ACE dictionary. Yeah, it's called the ACE spelling dictionary. Um, ACE spelling and yeah, dictionary. that yeah, helped me so up. much through school as well. Because like, obviously, mm. I mean, every time I write an email, it's, you know, there's so many grammatical errors and spelling mistakes and I actually can't see them myself half the time. So I have to kind of mm. get somebody else to proofread. Um, but that's just really useful if I am writing like a big passage of text and, you know, need to focus on that on myself. I haven't got anyone to spell check at the time. That's really useful. Tools like that definitely help though. Um, so I'll definitely check that out. And, you know, everyone's dyslexia impacts them differently. You know, we had Darcy Bustle and AJ Pritchard and they kind of struggle with last minute information being given to them to read and they request their scripts early and Darcy uses music as a foundation for her learning. And then Lauren McCrosty, um, actress, she embraces colours to learn her scripts. And these are people who have all been on the series and we've learned so much from and I'd love to hear you know how dyslexia impacts you and what quirky (laughs) what quirky character traits dyslexia gives you Um, and how you deal with them so uh, dyslexia it impacts me um I'd say most from the processing side of things like sometimes particularly if I'm really tired or I've got a lot going on. Another thing for me is just numbers. Um, they just move around in mysterious ways. <laughs> I have no idea that like, I'll read the time wrong all the time, like in digital, not even in analog. I can't even read analog clocks. That's just a thing for me. I just don't even bother. They're just pretty things on the walls. <laughs> um, and left and right, I remember doing my driving test and having like a big L and R on my hand on the steering wheel. So um, just little things like that, you know, if people say, oh, to, to your left, so so flippantly, that'll take me a good, you know, five minutes to work out which is left. Um, so yeah, loads of, loads of little things like that. And I think that's what people forget is it's not just simply reading or writing. Yes, I really struggle 
with reading, not so much writing and um, spelling. Um, there's so many other things that go on that some of them I can't even explain. And I'll just think, oh, yeah, I think that's something dyslexic, but I, I can't put my finger on it sort of thing. So um, I guess I, I don't know what makes me kind of quirky. <laughs> um, I can just be a little bit scatty sometimes if if I'm if I'm not in my organized day um which I'm sure causes a lot of amusement particularly to my coach so um yeah I'd say that's probably just being a little bit scatty a little bit dotty but that's okay <laughs> I remember doing my theory about four times for my driving test did I I did it three oh. times oh and it's such <laughs> a horrible feeling first time but the theory there's something about multiple choice too many options <laughs> oh I know I'd be like well that one's quite similar to that one though but it could be that answer a but maybe it's answer d and then also like when they it flashes up really quickly in terms of what you were saying about processing I'd be like whoa 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 give me a second I haven't quite seen the whole thing yet so interesting that you say that mm. the other thing as well is I don't think with um your driving theory you get extra time um yeah no isn't there so that's another no. element to just kind of trying to think quickly yeah, totally. And and I feel I'm I'm quite quite pleased that we can relate to each other's experiences because I think a lot of us um have have those experiences also not only in school but as adults. So Adele, what do you think could be done to provide more information and support for adults with dyslexia? It's really hard to to know cuz I, I do think there needs to be a lot more empathy in the workplace. Um, like, you know, just for, I think a lot of people with dyslexia would have quite good empathy. Um, but anyone who's a non-dyslexic might not understand that that person's struggling with, you know, time management or just processing something because of their special educational needs. So I think just being kind and, and you know, trying to understand other people's needs and helping them. Um, I think would make a massive difference. Um, and I think because it's something that you can't necessarily see a lot, people won't, you know, acknowledge it as a disability as such. So I think just having that empathy with that and, you know, being kind to people would make a massive difference for adults. Yeah, definitely. I think people as well with dyslexia, I often find are very empathetic, as you said. Um, but it, it kind of, you, you give a lot of energy and, you know, you have to find a way to continue to fulfill your needs um, so that you can be empathetic um, as well as, you know, others being empathetic to you. So how do you, how do you manage that? Like, how do you look after yourself and, you know, keep yourself inspired and driven? Oh, so I love a bit of self-care. I just think, yeah. I've seen a few of your videos, actually. <laughs> I love them. My way of just like, I think just, um, yeah, just feeling a bit more renewed and refreshed. Um, mm. I love to do just like take some time for myself. I'm really bad at not working, I think, because my, my mind just works a million miles an hour and I'm, you know, focused on lots of different things. Um, I actually quite bad at switching off. So for me, I find a bath is a really good way because I don't, you know, take my phone, I'll put my phone away and I'll just sit in the bath and I'll do a face mask and a hair mask. And I just think that's my time to kind of just restore a little bit. Um, but in terms of staying motivated, um, I don't know. I think that's something that 
I get asked a lot being an athlete, but it's not something that I, I, I maybe it is my thing that I'm um, good at. I, I've never had to try and like motivate myself. Uh, I think it's mm. just something that comes quite naturally to me. Um, and I don't know if that is kind of built out of, you know, I think dyslexics are really resilient people. Like when you have a lot of barriers, um, you kind of just, you get through that and it kind of builds you as a person. So motivation is something that just naturally comes to me, um, which I probably is not what you want to hear. <laughs> um, I do think about where you, where you started is really useful. And do you think that dyslexia has made you a better athlete? And, and does it play to your strengths? Yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, just in terms of like spatial awareness and, and things like that. And you probably find that through movement as well, maybe through dance. Um, yeah. I definitely, definitely feel like a lot of dyslexics have that as, you know, um, a bit of a superpower. And I like to think of it as a superpower. There's lots of positives to being a dyslexic person. Um, so, yeah, I'd say that's definitely enhanced um, my ability to, to be good at I think I also want to know like as a makeup artist also like the balance between us that's also very creative like that must be a lovely career path as well so yeah when I was um looking at kind of university options um I I literally did all creative um A levels and I really wanted to do something hands-on sort of modern so I looked at the mod making course um, yeah. at the Arts University Bournemouth and then I just found myself in this makeup department and it was so incredible they had so many different um, areas like you have your casualty simulation and prosthetics and then you've got wig making and you know stage makeup and fashion so there's just so many different sides to it so I love how varied it is and that just really taps into the, my like creativity because I can kind of think of loads of different ideas for all those um, different spaces um, but at the moment because obviously um, athletics is definitely my priority and there's kind of a limited time where you can apply yourself as an athlete um that's kind of taking up most of my time but I do kind of try and keep my foot in the door like I say on rest days um I'll pop into London and I'll try and do like a shoot because that works well with my time I can do that just as a one day thing um and that just means that I can kind of actually just switch off from the sporting side of things and and throw myself into just being creative and that is almost I would say um like my downtime as well oddly even though it's work I feel um like because it's so different what I do day to day I really just I love that I really enjoy it it's nice to have something else that kind of feel comes back into support what is your main priority um but what's next in terms of running are you doing any competitions soon so for me, I'm actually, I've just had um, a little break. So I have like two weeks off kind of a year um, and I've just had a bit of downtime and now it's kind of just starting afresh. So this is almost like my new year because um, we go kind of have our break in September, October time. Um, so yeah, really it's just about building and getting strong and ready for next year, um, which hopefully is going to be a really exciting year. So that'll be, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And this kind of brings us to the home straight of this episode. I've been so excited to say that. That's so shameless, isn't it? I can't believe I did. Oh, so good. Yeah, I know. That's me trying to be a comedian. <laughs> but my final question for you, Adele, is what advice would you give to anyone struggling to accept or work with their dyslexia? I 
think I would say there are so many advantages to being a dyslexic person and to kind of embrace those advantages and lean into them um, and just kind of see it as a superpower. And for the final time this series, what does dyslexia mean to you? I think it means, um, the, the, I think the words that spring to mind are resilience and creativeness. Um, just every kind of dyslexic that I speak to, um, they're really strong people. And I also think they just have such an amazing creative way of thinking. Oh, it's so nice to connect with you and and have a chat with you. It's crazy how many things, how many crossovers there are in in the dance world and uh, running. So it's lovely to kind of hear that. You mentioned about your blog and and various different things. Where can people find find this blog and um, you know follow you on Instagram? Um, so my blog is just on my website and um, I call it Pretty Sporty Blog because um, it's got a little bit of pretty, pretty sporty blog. <laughs> so it's got a lot of, oh, little bit of makeup and a little bit of um, sport kind of merging the two as well. Um, and lots of reviews and kind of my thoughts on certain things. Um, and that's just on my website, which is AdeleTracy.com. Um, and then you can find me probably most active on Instagram which is just Adele Tracy. I'm not big on Twitter, but again, that's the same handle. Um, just because you can't, you can't change things on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> and also just writing, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like my worst nightmare. <laughs> Me too. Oh, this has been so lovely. And I, I've all actually been wanting to ask all, in, like, all throughout the interview, is your dress from Nobody's Child? <laughs> <laughs> Or is it a top? No, it's a dress. It's a dress. Yeah. Because <gasps> I've been. Do you know what's really weird is that I was I was about to buy it yesterday. That's so like, oh, weird. Yeah, I know. And then obviously I've got to buy it now. Like, just... <laughs> yeah, it's lovely. Really, really nice. And as you came on, I was like, hang on a second. Ah, <laughs> yeah. No, it's been amazing to hear your journey and. Um, like what a wonderful way to to end this this whole series on such a positive note um i really enjoyed having a conversation i kind of forgot that we were recording <laughs> yeah <Yay>! same. <laughs> same yeah that's the best thing thank you it's so nice to meet you all virtually um yeah hopefully we can meet in person today <laughs> we'll speak to you soon thanks Bye. Bye. take care Well, there you have it. Series one has come to a close. We just want to thank every single guest, everyone that has listened and everyone that has gotten in touch with the show and showed their support. Your views and comments have been so heartwarming and encouraging for us as we step into this new field, this new space. It has been a really incredible privilege to go on this journey. And before we sign off, I want to ask Charlie, after speaking with all the wonderful guests we have featured, what have you learned about your dyslexia? I'm just thinking, how lucky are we? These amazing guests who have spoken so transparently about their experiences to help us learn and understand our dyslexia 
but also for those who may not have dyslexia but can support others who do. It's been an incredible journey and we've had amazing conversations about our dyslexia. I just want to encourage people to have that conversation with their dyslexia and just get used to saying the word dyslexia. I haven't been so open about my dyslexia in the past that I couldn't even say the word dyslexia and now I'm hoping to be confident enough to say that and to understand what that really means to me. And so Liz, how about you? I've learned so much. It's been so valuable to share my story and I'd really encourage people to speak with a friend or a colleague about your experiences with dyslexia and share what you've gotten from hearing these incredible people's stories from the series. I mean, sharing this platform with all of you and being so vulnerable, it's allowed a space for something within me to shift. And I feel a real sense of change and growth with my dyslexia. Rather than saying I accept it, but not fully understanding my personal experiences with dyslexia, which is what's come before. I now feel that I'm one step closer to embracing this label and my relationship with it. It's been a real pleasure connecting with the listeners and the reviews and comments honestly mean so much so please please take the time to feed back to us ahead of our series too this journey has only just begun and as darcy said it can be a bit of a rocky road but who doesn't love a rocky road we'd love to hear from you what have you gotten from listening to the series Here's what the wonderful team at Move Beyond Words had to say when we asked them. Hi, my name's Niall. I'm the podcast producer for the Move Beyond Words podcast. And I just wanted to share my thoughts and feelings on what I've learned doing this series. So I guess the first thing would be that there's just so many different traits for dyslexia. And it's amazing to hear how everyone has different traits, but also shares similar ones. It was really amazing also just to hear how people were so open and confident talking about dyslexia. And it was really reassuring to find out that, you know, I shared similar dyslexic characteristics to artists, musicians, athletes, all these different people from different backgrounds. You know, we all had that thing in common. And I guess it's just always really nice to find and hear people who understand you a little bit more. Hello, Sean here. I'm the marketing and press manager for Move Beyond Words. I think what I've learned from this podcast series is that there's always a conversation waiting to happen. It's just people don't feel confident enough to ask the questions. And so when you do, something really lovely can blossom out of it. My name's Alex and I am the graphic designer. I think the main thing that I've learned is that dyslexia is just a different way of thinking that can actually push you to more creative outcomes. And that, I don't know, you should actually be really proud of that. It's almost like a, I think someone said it before, it's almost like a superpower. I get pushed to think in ways that many other people couldn't. And for that, I'm actually quite grateful. Hello, my name is Hannah Gibbs and I am the project manager for Move Beyond Words. With Move Beyond Words, I have found it really amazing to work with people who 
each process things differently and have kind of these varying perspectives. I think it's so important in teams to have that diversity of thought and can really encourage creativity in the project and also lead to you finding new ways of doing things. My biggest takeaway from being able to work with Move Beyond Words has been that neurodiversity should be nurtured, it should be celebrated and absolutely harnessed because incredible things happen and I think this podcast really shows how creativity can pull together to create a great product. Thank you again for listening to Move Beyond Words podcast. This is not the end, only the beginning, and we will be back with a second series filled with more delightful dyslexics. And remember, if this is your first time listening, make sure you go back and listen to the rest of the series. You won't be disappointed. This series is funded by Arts Council England.